as our children are being dismissed and as our team comes down, won't you bow your head and join me in another word of prayer? Above all, Lord, uh, Lord, you are above all. Your son is above all. Your spirit above all. And uh, Lord, even this song considers uh, that great psalm that says, uh, why do you consider us, God? It's amazing to us that you think of us, that you uh, uh, care for us, that you love us so. Truth be told, we don't, don't always think that way, though. Sometimes we think, uh, yeah, it makes sense that you would love me because I'm so <laughs> worthy of love. Sometimes we think that you're not doing enough for us, God. But Lord, the reality is, is uh, you, who are above all, does really Think of us above yourself. And that is humbling. That is what Paul revealed in Philippians chapter number two. When he said that we each should have the same mind that Christ had. Who esteemed others better than himself. Wow. We should do this because you, you've done this, God. Oh, Lord. God, we pray and we ask that you would just be with us. These next few minutes, uh, lead me, uh, fill me with your word, with your truth, <clears throat> by your spirit, Lord. Uh, Lord, uh, open our hearts. Uh, Jesus often said, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Uh, eyes to see, let them see. Uh, give us seeing eyes and open ears, Lord. Uh, Lord, uh, attend to us, I pray. I pray these things in the mighty, resurrected name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Uh, don't y'all like change? Right? It always reminds me of my dad's stupid but funny joke still yet and it's, it's only gotten funnier if I think about him saying it but how many Baptists does it take to change the light bulb change <laughs> oh, heart palpitations just happened when we heard that word did y'all notice anything different this morning yeah Sam did it Sam came in here, and Mike was like, what are y'all doing? You're moving everything around. And Sam goes, what? Sam had been sitting back there for 15 minutes, did not notice anything different. And then he goes to tell us that he had an accident because his wife moved a wicker basket that's been in their living room for, for years. That's why we don't like change, right? <laughs> because we just get so accustomed to things. And some of us might even be blind to it, right? Whatever it's happening before our faith. Brother Sam, thank you for letting me uh, use you as an example this morning.
So, uh, so several months ago, uh, we began a sermon series called Seizing Opportunities, and, and we went through uh, quite a few uh, different uh, considerations with that sermon series. Uh, that sermon series, we, we discussed the fact that, hey, you know, we're, we're a different body of believers uh, today, and every church can kind of say this, and the world can really say this. It's different now than it was a few years ago. Um, I, I was even thinking about this. Uh, Angie, yesterday, um, uh, we were having a conversation, and she said that there was this uh, sermon by a pastor that we like, Greg Boyd, up in at Woodland Hills Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And uh, she said, uh, he, he says, um, it's the end of the world as we know it. And he was talking about, like, in Revelation and in, in a lot of the prophetic works, uh, even in the Old Testament, it's, it's, it's not maybe the end of the world, it's just the end of the world as we know it. And I was reminded, and that I believe, I, I, think, I think I'm true about this, that in the summer of 2020, I preached a message with the same kind of title, with the same kind of thought process that said, hey, listen, the world as we know it. And so... Um, Greg did it way better than me, but I did it first, okay? No, I'm just joking. But, uh, but, but I was reminded because that was such a transformational time. And we've been, you know, always kind of like coming away from that. And, and, and here's the deal, and we talked about this then. We can't go back. There's no going back to before. We can only go ahead, and, and going ahead is different. And, and, and we think about this like and cosmically in, in the world, and, and, and you can fret over it, you can lament over it, and there's necessary reasons to do that. You can be anxious and afraid about what's to come, and, 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 and I, would, I, I would say that all those, those anxieties and fears might be rooted in reality. We should, we should guard our hearts from too much of that. But the fact of the matter is, is, it's, is, is it's inevitable that, that we're not the same that we once or this world isn't, or church isn't. Um, like, you experience this on the world, but we experience this in our lives. Uh, you know, I think about people this, this year that, you know, have lost loved ones. You know, it's never going to be what it was before. So there's no use in us trying to go back. There's no use in us trying to recapture the old glory. All we should do is look forward. And so when we uh, begin to work through these, uh, through, through, through a lot of these concepts, uh, through this whole concept and and understanding, hey, we are a different church, what we have to do is like identify who we are, identify what was our capacity as a church. Uh, and, and those are some exercises that we, we went through, um, you know, throughout the fall. And then, of course, you know, we had the holiday season. And so then we, uh, we switched gears and we started focusing on just like worshiping our Lord for, for all that he's done for us. Well, now here we are in the new year, and, 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 and I want us to get back a little bit to some of those things that we were talking about when we were talking about seizing opportunities. And, and, and here's what I would say. I said, now it's like really kind of a time that we can begin applying, applying some of this in, 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 in the life of our body here. 
Um, and so, so uh, what, what we're going to do today is we're going to be uh, reminded about uh, our guiding principles. Um, and because we want to begin applying these guiding principles, uh, putting them in action, as it were. Um, but to set the stage uh, for us this morning, I, I would like to turn our attention to the book of Colossians chapter number three. Colossians chapter number three. We'll read a passage of scripture there. And, and before we read this passage of scripture, um, we should know that uh, that scripture gives us some things that we are to do as a church, but scripture doesn't outline. It doesn't blueprint the church. Uh, and so, um, and so, we have some character traits that we are to follow. There are some specific things that we should be known for, like forgiveness and love. Uh, th 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 there's, there's kind of uh, a specific thing that we do as the church, and that is always to, to be uh, uh, teaching the word and living the word for the purpose of discipleship. And discipleship includes evangelism. All right. Um, but whenever it comes down to it, we don't have the model church. We looked at it before in the book of Acts. And a lot of times people will look in the book of Acts and the, in the book of Acts they'll go, well, here's the model. This is what we need to get back to. And they forget that Acts is telling a living history. And if you remember at the end of chapter number two, they give you like a little summary statement about what was going on in the church. And chapter four, they give you a little summary statement about what was going on in the life of the church. And, and the reason why, why, why Luke, the writer, kind of sets it up this way is because, hey, it's about to change. This is how it was for a period of time. This is what it looked like in those early days in Jerusalem, but it didn't stay that way. Uh, well, case in point. In the early days in Jerusalem, everybody was unified. But then as the church began to grow and as different people started coming in and different people from different backgrounds started coming in, you had the Hellenist Jews and then you had the, 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 like, kind of like the Orthodox Jews, right? You had the, the Jews who had adopted Greek culture. That's Hellenism, right? And then you had the, 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 the Jews who were old stock Orthodox Jews. We're not going to capitulate to Greek culture. And, but they now all were starting to trust Christ and they're starting to come together. And guess what happens whenever you have different people from different backgrounds coming together? It just fits right together, doesn't it? Everybody just, everybody just get, grabs onto one another's hand and your hearts get molded to one another. Y'all just skip down the road. No, as, as it begins to grow, as different people begin to come in, division started erupting. Preference. Prioritizing one people over another people starts taking place. And we read over this uh, in Acts whenever, and that's whenever they, 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 they came up with this, this, this way to handle the problem was we're going to put some, some, some deacons, some, some servant leaders out into the congregation. So there's no model. And we should not be fooled on that. There's no blueprint. Uh, we should understand that. Uh, so what we get is 
Scripture gives us some characteristics, a few things that we should be known for, uh, a few things that we are, we know the church is about doing. And then we have to apply it to our context. We have to take that and then go, okay, they lived in this world then and we live in this world now. And so I, I want us to see some of this, what we'll find here in this text is some of the the characteristics, a couple, a few of the things that the, the church was to be known for, some of the things that they were called to do. And take those, those, those guiding principles, if you will, those, those, those things that we get from Scripture, and then also remind us about the guiding principles that we set forth a few months ago. And really encourage us, hey, let's, let's begin to really apply these uh, this year. So with that, Colossians chapter number three, beginning in verse number 12. Uh, I have it up on the screen, Brother Will or Brother Michael. For those who, for those who uh, would rather um, uh, look, look up than look down or don't have their Bible with them this morning. Paul says, uh, put on therefore. As the elect of God, holy and beloved. All right. Let's think about ourselves as the elect of God who are holy, who are beloved. Now, who is the one chosen one of God who is truly holy and the beloved son of God? Who is that? Right. So, so, so we who are now in Christ. And Paul talks about this earlier in Colossians. If you are in Christ, then put off this old life. And he mentions that earlier. But he says, now put on this new life, just like you are the chosen, holy, beloved son of God. Think about that. Wow. Wow. And then remember this. Holy. Set apart consecrated it's set aside for a purpose that, that might involve cleansing or purification ritual in in the old testament law but 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 holy whatever you you, you need, need to think about this is it's set aside for a purpose right god has taken us and he set us aside in christ we are set aside for a special purpose and, and consider Consider that it's not some uh, harsh taskmaster. It's not some slave driver. But it's God the Father. And you're his beloved. In Christ, you are his beloved child. You're well loved. Like Jesus, we could almost say. Or as you see yourself in the life of Jesus, you should then put on the qualities, the characteristics, the mannerisms. Yesterday we went to um, we went to a funeral for Larry Brundage. He was uh, uh, Brother Mitch's mentor. Um, my father-in-law uh, Jimbo uh, uh, was was tutored under him, served with him a long time. Um, uh, you know, uh, a lot of their ministries overlapped that way. Well, 
Uh, Larry Brundage has a son named Kendall. And some people here know Kendall um, because of our connection with the Calvary Baptist Church in Grand Prairie. And, uh, and because Kendall, uh, when we were kids, he would come and he would spend some weeks in the summer with us. And then when we would go to Minnetonka uh, Christian Youth Camp, uh, he was always there uh, at, the, at the camp. Uh, Kendall was born with a, broth, uh, a bone growth into his brain. Initially, neuro- neurologists said there's no hope. Uh, but uh, their, their, their doctor uh, recommended them to this doctor that you call whenever everybody else says no hope. And uh, that doctor was able to uh, operate on Kendall. Uh, where the doctor said if he makes it to three, he'll be a vegetable. Kendall's 50 years old, and he's no vegetable. We love Kendall. One thing that you should know about Kendall is when you look at Kendall, everything that Kendall does, the way he does it, he emulated from his father. I mean, he, if there was a kid who loved their father and he took on his mannerisms, oh my goodness, it, there's no, I, I, I think there's, he, he's second to none in that department. It's so, uh, it's so amusing at times, and it's also very honoring. So y'all only know Kindle by way of story, but let's be like Kindle, but with Jesus. Put on bowels of mercies or tender mercies. Put on kindness. Put on humbleness or humility of mind. Put on meekness. Put on long-suffering. Put on uh, forbearing or bearing with one another. Uh, Put on forgiving one another. He says, if anyone has a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. This is an entire different message for an entire different time. But I think one thing that we need to consider is not this to be such a cut, a a clear rhetorical question. I think it's really a good question for us to analyze within ourselves. Do we really believe that Christ truly forgives us? Is my life rooted in that? If God accepts me, knows me, knows all my beauty and all my darkness and my ugliness, and he says, sit down at my table, I forgive you. In Jesus, I forgive you. Because I think whenever... We read that. It's easy just to go like, if Christ forgave you, and everybody goes, yeah, we know Christ forgave us. But, but really, do you live in Christ forgiving you, having forgiven you? Now, we know some people take it lightly. They don't even think sin or, or failures or uh, shortcomings, uh, the way that we've sinned against others or the way that others have sinned against us, well, it's not that big of a deal. I think, we character, char- I think that's more of a caricature, though, than anything. So I would just encourage us, don't just 
accept this. Well, Christ has forgiven me. Ask yourself, do I really trust that, that I am forgiven? Do I live into that? Do I live into that reality? Again, another message for another time, so we'll keep on. And he says, even above all these things, put on charity or love or agape. I would remind us about uh, uh, Dr. Lyndall Lee's message uh, back on our anniversary Sunday where he said, you know, we've made so much about this agape, you know, this agape love, like this is a special love of God. Like we've added all these entailments to it whenever really, whenever this was first written, this was a word that they knew in their language and in their culture. And it didn't have all the entailments that we've put on it. Um, it says agape is the bond of perfectness or completeness. So you should be the people who are known and characterized as the people who bear with one another, put up with one another. Uh, you you don't look at one another in your congregation and go, man, they just don't measure up, and you cast them aside. You come alongside one another, and you walk with one another. Here's what we need to understand. There are, there are certain sins and certain types of people that we are willing to bear with. And, and, and it ranges differently from different people. Right? Some people, they, look at, they look, at, look at the marginalized, the outcast, and they're like, I don't bear with that person all day long. And they look at somebody who's rich and has all, a whole bunch of stuff who's broken just the same. Well, I can't bear with that person. So, some, oh man, I can, I can bear with the broken who just are in despair all the time. But the person who is insecure and, and masking their insecurity with pride, not them. With arrogance. So we bear with one another. We're known by these things. We forgive one another. Uh, we have a, a, a character that is willing to endure. He continues on. He says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body. And be ye thankful. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Man, does the world want the peace of God to rule in your heart? Does CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, Telegram, uh, you know, TikTok, uh, Twitter, Facebook, um, should we go, the New York Post, uh, the New York Times, the Houston Chronicle, uh, does the news and social media want you to live with the peace of God ruling in your hearts? No. These are people who lived in a broken and ruinous world, and I would say more broken and more threatened than your life and my life is threatened today. And he said, in the midst of this broken, ruinous, rebellious world in which you are actively being sought after, peace of God rule in your hearts. 
<clears throat> to the which you're also called in one body and be thankful. When we think about the peace of God ruling in our hearts, that's not just the sense of peace, but when you see the, 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 the connection here, because you are called in one body, he's saying, let peace rule in this place. If there's no shalom out there, there better be shalom in here. We better be known by our, our, our peace with one another and our striving to be at peace with one another. And then he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So he says, you should be, uh, the church should be not only characterized and identified by, 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 by forgiveness and by unity and peace with one another in the midst of a world that is, there's no peace, right? Uh, but you should also be known as those who are about the word. The word of Christ, the message of Christ, the teachings of Christ. And, and how they would get them out is often how we get it out today too. But, but in a culture where you didn't have the, the printed Bible and where you would come in on a, on, on, a, on a time when you would gather together, they might put the truth to melody. That whole thing that we read earlier, whenever it says Jesus Christ, the invisible God, that was probably a hymn. And they would remember that because then they would go and they would do their work throughout the week and they could sing that song. And it was reminding them of the truth. So you should be people who are about the word. Uh, and, and, and often y'all teach the word in song. Um, and then he says, and so whatever you do, Whatever you do, whether you're speaking it or you're doing it, it's an action or a teaching and instruction or a witness. He says, do all of it in the name of the Lord Jesus. That doesn't just mean that we attach Jesus' name to stuff. That is saying, if you're going to do it in the name of Jesus, you're going to do it in the character of Jesus. You're going to do it to uphold the reputation of Jesus. You're going to do it in the way of Jesus. Like Jesus did it. So, these no blueprint. Paul doesn't say, and here's all the things that you should be doing with the word. You should have a Sunday school, and you should have a morning worship, and then you should have a Sunday night, and then you should have a Wednesday night, and you better have a teen Bible study, and you better have children's church. And you better... He says, hey, you are to be about teaching the word, discipling people, growing them up in the faith, helping them to remember Jesus, his teaching, his, the truth of him, the power of him, the authority of him, and how all that gets, gets rooted down into this humble act of this humilified human being of Jesus. And that they're to be living their lives like him. He says, so... You should, be, you should be teaching one another, and whatever you do in word, whatever you say, whatever witness you proclaim, do it like Jesus. Whatever you do in deed. He doesn't say, well, here's all the deeds that you should be doing. You know? You, 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 know? you take that and you apply it to your context. That's what's so beautiful about this text. Well, if he would have put a list up there, guess what we would have done? Did you do this today? Hmm. Did you do this today? Huh. We would have made a law out of it. So, 
we are to be characterized in certain ways. There's some things that we do, like teaching. There's some acts of service that we do, whatever you do in word or deed. All these people are like, well, I don't go and I don't, I don't believe in social justice. And I, I just, you know, uh, I'm not just going to go feed the poor. Because I'm called to give them the gospel. Well, sometimes the gospel is enacted. Jesus, whenever he wanted to remind us of the gospel, the, 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 or, you know, the sacrifice that he made before he was enthroned, he said, hey, take this meal. It's an image. And every time you eat this meal, do it remembering my body broken and my blood poured out. So sometimes it's enacted. Sometimes words fail you. And at all times, I don't care what you know until I know how much you care. So there are deeds that we do. There's works that we do. So these are some principles from Scripture. From these, well, we also have some guiding principles ourselves. Friends with Baptist Church. Uh, I'll refresh y'all's mind about the guiding principles. Brother Will, will you bring up that next slide with the guiding principles? Uh, we have said, uh, and these are where you can see discipleship driven, whatever you do in word and deed, right? Teaching one another in Psalms, hymns, spiritual Psalms, right? Uh, the intention of all of this is for us to be disciples who make disciples. I should be living an active discipleship, actively following, looking to Jesus, taking on his, his character, his way, his mannerism, his traits, his mentality, taking on his compassion. Oh, you know what I thought about this week? It's so crazy to me. Remember when the rich young ruler came up to Jesus? And he comes up to him so arrogantly and so pompous. He comes up with this question, hey, what do I do to inherit eternal life? A, you can't do anything, right? Like you're just off base with the question in the first place. But then Jesus says, well, what about the law? You know the law. Tell me about the law, son. Which I love. Jesus doesn't go, well, let me. Jesus didn't receive this as a test. I, I, he anxiously, I have to answer all the questions. He said, well, what do you think about it? We were talking about this yesterday. This is a good, wise practice to do with your children. Your children come to you and they ask these crazy questions, and then you feel like, I have to answer them. <laughs> but Angie was telling me, she was like, I heard somewhere that you go, I don't know, what do you think about it? Where do babies come from? <laughs> uh, what do you think? <laughs> Let's see where, where, where you're going, because like, like North Dakota, you know, or whatever. It's like, uh, okay, yeah, okay, you're not asking that question, you're asking this other question. Jesus said, what do you, you tell me. The, you, you've read the law and the prophets, you know them. What do you think? He says, I've done all of them. Oh, oh, look at you. You've done them all. That's a person that you and I would look at and go, you arrogant jerk. I don't have any time for you. But here's what Jesus does. It says he looked at him, and Mark, I think, says it explicitly. He looked at him, and he loved him. He said, oh, oh, son. He had compassion on him. This has to be something that is cultivated and nurtured in us because you and I don't come by that naturally. 
Oh, well, I have compassion on all people. Stop, full stop. Do you have compassion on people who are other than you? Whatever you want to classify as other. Well, I mean, I have good reason. I have it on good authority. They're ruining this world. Oh, you, you divide the world in us and them. Well, that's, that's a non-starter, isn't it? For the disciples of Jesus. Non-starter. Everything we do should be discipleship-driven because we are, this, we are being formed and shaped into the people of Jesus. And here's the other thing that we said. Hey, everything that we do should be congregationally championed. I confess to you that, that I look at everything and I go, I'm the pastor, I need to be doing it all. And that's poor leadership, and I'm sorry for it. I'm sorry for that poor leadership. So I am actively trying to become a better leader. And I think a good leader doesn't say, I do it all. Look at me, I do it all. That's rooted in, in, in some, some good qualities, but also some very unhealthy qualities. A good leader knows how to say, this person would do great at this. And I bet they don't know that. A good pastor takes his sheep and leads them to the grass. Because he knows that the sheep don't just go out and find the grass. So I want to be better at this. I would ask for you to pray with me in this. Will you pray with me in this? Uh, here's what I also think. I think that when we think about what real discipleship is, real discipleship is, and, and missionaries get this, it's training up people that can sustain the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry doesn't sit there around one guy or a few. It's a shared burden amongst the group. And so sometimes you might have an idea and say, hey, we want to do this. That will help us identify this is what our congregation wants to do. Here's how you don't identify it. You don't identify it with people going, you know what we should be doing that other churches are doing or what we should be doing because I saw this somewhere or we used to be doing this. We should be doing this. The person who says we should be doing it, but they're not going, hey, how can I help do this? How can I bring this along? Like, it's not just a critique that we sit around and do, right? It is, it's like, hey, like if you get that idea, maybe sit with it for a little bit and pray about it and say, Lord, is this something that, that, that you're developing in me? Have you given me the vision of this? We've talked about this throughout the years, but it's easy to sit there and, and, and go, man, we're not, he's not doing that, she's not doing that. She's, <laughs> it's like, well, maybe they don't have the eyes to see those things. Right. So whenever I think about this, I want you all to know, uh, we had a deacon's meeting the other night, and, um, and, uh, and, uh, and somebody from the congregation has championed a new endeavor. An old endeavor, it's a revised endeavor. Uh, but like Brother Donnie, he said, you know what? Men's prayer breakfast, I missed that. I missed men's prayer breakfast. And he said, you can count on me. And so he will be checking with his calendar. We'll probably not do it every month, probably once a quarter. Uh, and Brother Donnie, uh, he will be recruiting men uh, to come along and to not only participate, 
But we want to hear each other's testimonies, give people an opportunity to share a devotional word. I'm excited about it, Brother Donnie. But that's what we're talking about, being championed from the congregation. Uh, uh, You know, Brother Mike Phillips, uh, he has started uh, wanting to meet with me and pray with me before church. Um, and, 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 and he's asked some guys to come along and they said, Hey, you know, I can't do that. And that's fine. This is where, this is where we have to understand capacity. We can't condemn. We can't judge. We can't say, Hey, oh, somebody do it. They didn't help me. Like, no, we can't be like that. Like, like if they say no, we have to respect that because we all have different capacity, but there are some who've come along championed from the congregation. Uh, here's some things that I really want us to be able to do. And so I'm going to put it out there, and it might be that there, that it can encourage you or challenge you or motivate you. Or, and it might be that, hey, we need to pray that the Lord brings in the right people that can do this. Think about our, our worship team. Our worship team was not a full band when Brother Mitch got here. And now we have assembled a full band because these people started coming into our, our, our worship. I think that's a really cool way for that to happen. But like this summer, I, I, I think it would be a really great endeavor that we get back to VBS. That we offer vacation Bible school. And, and we need some champions from our congregation who will help organize that, help recruit for that, help prepare that. And we also, I, well, one thing that we, was always a good thing uh, for our church kids and for kids in our community was, uh, was kids camp. We need some people to champion these things. So I'm throwing it out there for y'all. Here's the last two, and then we'll get wrapped up. Competition is condemned. We aren't competing with each other, right? Brother Mitch and I don't go back on Tuesday morning and say, who did it better on Sunday? I wouldn't win that competition very often, but that's not the case. We are in support of one another, right? If you see one ministry getting more energy and attention, uh, they're not your enemies. We support that. We celebrate it. All right? Um, but bigger than that, bigger than that even, we are not in competition with any other church in Friendswood, Texas or our surrounding community. Uh, we are in opposition to the world and the way of the world. And so we don't look at the other churches, they're getting bigger than us. Let's deal with it. Let's acknowledge it. We feel that. It does feel weird. It it can feel hurtful. It can feel defeating. But we don't have to live into those feelings, right? We can acknowledge them. We can own them. And we can go, hey, but let's remember, we're going to celebrate what they're doing. We're going to esteem what they're doing. We're going to esteem others better than ourselves, not just as individuals, but as a whole congregation of people. And then, uh, kind of closely aligned to this, none of this is done so that we are known. We are known. All this is done, getting back to point number one, out of discipleship. We want people to know who Jesus is. He is the liberating King of kings, Lord of lords. He is the one through whom you and I receive forgiveness. He is the one who has ordered our way. He has shown us the way to 
actual life is not the way that the world would, would, would uh, put on. It's not the way of power and coercion. It's not the way of fear and violence. It's not the way of uh, uh, deceit and conniving and scheming. Uh, he's even told us, you know what? The hope for this world is, is not some new legislation. He showed us that the way of, for us to live is following him and his humility, his meekness, his long-suffering, his forbearing, his tender mercy, his forgiveness, his love. And so, my brothers and my sisters, what I want us to do and what we will be doing in the days to come is applying these things. What I would invite you to do as we've looked at our capacity and we considered those things a few months ago, I want you just to simply think, okay, uh, what do I bring to the table? Uh, you pray about that. As your pastor, I'm going to be praying about that for each and every one of you as well. And what I want us to know is that we, together as a body, are going to begin to apply these things. Doing what we can do for these purposes. And, uh, and our hope and our prayer is this. That we will be able to be disciples and make disciples. And with that I say, amen. amen. Uh, will you join me? I said, let's begin asking the Lord, okay?